podcast may cause severe side effects, including but not limited to severe spoiler exposure, millennial opinion insertion, and the perpetual ignorance of common sense. This narrator advises that the listener digest the following as entertainment. The showrunners behind it are neither six-figure filmmakers nor professional critics. They are casually critical. Hello and welcome to Casually Critical, the podcast show starring two pals who love to talk about storytelling. We don't have an inch to pitch for today, but stick around at the end so you can hear how to get involved as a part of our podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Carpenter. And I'm your co-host, James Newton. Today we're going to be talking about the A24 film uh, from, I believe, 2017. Uh, 16. Yeah, that's it. 2016. (laughs) Um, Starring Paul Dano. And Daniel Radcliffe, Swiss Army Man. What a film it is, James. And uh, I've been dreading and also looking forward to talking about this film with you because you can't really put this thing in a box necessarily, genre-wise. I mean, can you try it? Can you do it? No. No, I most certainly (laughs) cannot. But I think there's a lot to be discussed here. I think this movie does a lot of things right and a lot of things that leave a lot to be desired. Should we just kind of start with a basic description of the plot and then see where our conversation takes us? Yeah, if you could do that and then also explain to me just why, that'd be really great. <laughs> well, I'll leave that to uh, the Daniels. Um, this was written and directed by Daniel Kwan and Daniel Scheinert, if I'm saying that correctly. These two guys directed music videos, including most famously Turn Down for What?, Uh, This is their first ever feature film debut. On top of all that, as James, you mentioned earlier, we have Paul Dano and Daniel Radcliffe. So there's a lot of Daniels in this movie. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not saying that's going to give them any points in my department for story. (laughs) I'm just saying it's a it's like a it's a cherry on top. You know, if this is a turd, this could be a turd of a movie or a beautiful milkshake of a movie. and It would still be a cherry. That's true. Doesn't mean it's going to be any less crappy. But it's a cherry on top, you know? It's like, for me, it's like, that's great. But there are no Jameses in this cast, so for me, it's still just going to be, you know, judged as is, (laughs) cherryless, whether it's, you know, a pile of crap or an ice cream sundae. (laughs) So Paul Dano plays this man named Hank. He's stranded on an island. He's reached the end of his rope, literally and emotionally. (laughs) James, I see you repressing something. Um, Just keep talking. he plays this man... He plays this man who's stranded on this island. He discovers a farting corpse named Manny. He rides him like a jet ski off the island and to the mainland where the rest of the movie is about them trying to find their way back home and learning a lot about life and love along the way. That's about it. But the the title Swiss Army Man refers to Manny. He's this corpse that has a lot of unique abilities. His farts can are so powerful that they can become flamethrowers why Uh, he can be a power he can propel him and another person at least as a jet ski his arm (coughs) so he can can (coughs) chop he can chop wood 
into firewood. Uh, his fingers can snap fast enough to create sparks, and his teeth are sharp enough where Hank uses him as a razor at one point. And he can also vomit pure fresh water, which Hank frequently utilizes as a, as a survival measure. He also has a limitless supply of ox- oxygen. Yes. So, where do we begin? <laughs> James, I'm going to have you take on that burden. I've already talked about the movie what? as a story. No, I could have done that. I can't do the next part. The next part <laughs> where it's like, here's what the movie is. Here's what it's about. Here's why it okay. exists. I can't tell I you say... that, Daniel, because I don't know. <laughs> and I literally only watched the movie like three hours ago. Oh, my gosh. So I don't know if that makes much of a difference. And I've only seen it once in my life. How many times have you seen this movie, Daniel? Three times over the course of a few years. Okay. So okay. I have a time for it to soak in. I guess I'll lead us in then. I'll, please, I'll please, us please, in please, please, please. I want waters. to understand. I don't want to tear into this movie because I don't understand it. I actually, I want to bring this up, James. Okay. Because I do think it's a very good point. And I think one part about film that not many people talk about is some films kind of, some films are a lot like wine and others are a lot like milk. Some movies like wine age better. So the longer it sits with you, the more you actually appreciate it. One such movie that comes to mind for me is Inception. Uh, The more I've seen it, the more I've gotten out of it. I'm not sure if that speaks to the storytelling so much as the world building, but that doesn't matter. Point is, there's a lot more to appreciate. There's a lot more that's understandable. Wait, the more you've gotten Uh, out of it, like, like the more you've appreciated, like... Yes, there's okay. just so much work, and like there will be a detail that I completely missed my first five times I watched it, and then yeah. the sixth time I'm like, oh, okay. It's like a puzzle piece <laughs> that slowly just fits more and more into the hole that it's shaped for. Okay. I don't know. And then you've got so your milk example, movies. Right, and you got your milk movies where it gets moldy and disgusting over time. Right. And you just don't like it as much. Um I will say Swiss Army Man is not a movie I hate. There, I have a lot of respect for some parts of this movie, but it is a movie that I have still remained confused by. I do oh. not know definitively if this is definitely milk or wine. I wouldn't actually say it's wine. I think it's kind of... This movie is nonsensical, and it has stayed that way for me, and to me that's a bad thing. Okay. I, I, I feel this movie, and hear me out here, I feel this movie lacks an emotional core. I feel that the directors are trying to say so much about so many things that it becomes hard to find that emotional center. And I know that there is Manny an emotional center, of, though. There's an emotional yeah. center. It's just what are they trying to say with that? Like, there's an emotional center. Like, okay, these two guys are growing closer together as friends, and he's teaching him. Um, Hank is teaching Manny about the world, and because of that, Hank is learning more about himself, and he's more yes. learning more about the world as this sort of blank slate character is sort of approaching the world for the first time. Mm-hmm. So, like, yeah, it's just a fresh look on love, on life, on existence, and mm-hmm. that's all cool, but what? But what? Yeah. I see the how, I see the the why. It's kind of like describing there's a problem, but not really giving a solution. But but here's the thing, here's the thing. That would be okay, because that would stay true to a nihilistic story. Hmm. A nihilistic story that says, there is no meaning, 
I'm going to turn into dirt just like you're going to turn into dirt, which is something that they said in the movie. Yeah. And I was like, okay, if this is going to be a movie about nihilism, then let it be a movie about nihilism. But it's not. Like the end of the story, it's there's still like a hopeful note to it. And it's mm-hmm. like, okay, but you got it. You can't say both things. You can't say the world is meaningless and also say you can find true meaning in friendship. Like you can't do both of those things. So I just want to understand, like, I was hoping that you would have like, with, with more view, viewership than me, I was hoping you would have like a better understanding of how everything is connected. Cause I just don't, I'm not yeah. seeing it. I, I won't say that I have a better understanding. It doesn't feel that way to me. I was going to say, and you actually really touched on this. Um, my biggest issue with this film is the ending because yeah. it is so thematically inconsistent. I was fully expecting and kind of wanted Manny to just be a hallucination. I was thinking they even Hank teased made. at that too, right? They were like, yeah. oh, they yeah. were like calling, they were calling Hank Manny, like at the end, they're yeah. like Manny. And I was like, Oh, okay. I see now. So like this dead body right. was actually really a dead guy. And like, right. he wasn't actually talking and alive. At first yeah. I thought that Manny was like a symbol of Hank's love for Sarah. Hmm. Because every time love was, was brought up he became more alive um yeah and then whenever he realized sarah was married and had a child he stayed dead but then he came back it's kind of interesting their physical relationship in terms of just it starts with hank physically carrying manny yeah and by the end manny's actually carrying hank yeah it's really cool also notice makeup wise manny looks more alive as the series progresses as the movie progresses oh that's cool like his skin looks less green and gray and more flesh colored hmm. and it still looks kind of like that enough where it's like he's still a corpse right but he's got i mean i don't know he, i just thought that was really cool yeah no that's very interesting i i will say a lot of my thoughts on this movie have not yet been put into the wording that i would want you know and yeah. so i think and how can you your it's description your description of this movie has an emotional center. It's just not fully realized. I think that that is definitely something I agree with. The heart of the story is a little bit problematic. They try to say so much. And like you said, there's kind of a nihilistic bent on everything. But at the very end, it really seems to contradict everything. Where it's like, well, you can't have Sarah. If it ended with just before he grabs Manny again and runs back down the hill with him. Yeah. Um, I feel like that would have been okay, you know? I think it would be an ending I wouldn't be comfortable with, but I, this movie is not a comfortable movie, you know? Right. No one, no one's asking for a comfortable ending. No one's saying, like, please, we need full closure on this. Yeah, they haven't been warming us up for a warm, satisfying ending. They've been right. warming, like, it's literally a dead body. He's, he's talking to a dead body and walking through the woods um, Yeah. and playing with garbage. You know, it's like, this is not... A Disney movie. Um, I'm imagining the Disney logo on this movie. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, gosh. It's hard to imagine. There's an ongoing theme of honesty and, like, Hmm. rawness with humanity. Like, people fart. People poop. People are gross. People have emotions. People have feelings. People want things that other people don't want, and it's weird. But it's also okay. But people don't talk about it. There's sort of this, this ongoing trend of, like, honesty is important and like there's not enough honesty in the world because the near the end of the movie uh 
near the third act of the movie, Hank is not being honest with Manny about something and Manny can feel it. And, uh, you know, once the truth comes out, their friendship becomes solidified. And then because of that, you sort of see Hank coming to terms at the end of the movie with Sarah. And she's like, what is all this about? And he's like, well, you just looked happy and I wanted to be happy. You know, he was just being honest with her about himself. And I think even though it makes him look super creepy, right? Right. It it makes him look super weird. And he was like, yeah, we danced in the woods and it was beautiful. And it's like, okay, this looks weird to the rest of the world, but he's just being honest with himself and he's being true. He's not trying to, he's not trying to package himself in a fancy way. He's being okay with himself, which is not something that he was at the beginning. He hated himself, obviously. That's true. So you could have ended it with him saying something to his dad, like very honest. He could have been like, hey, dad, we've had a really crappy relationship. I think it's time we give it another shot or something. And like his dad is taken aback and like, you know, maybe they both get in the car and go to Denny's or something. And that's how it ends. Yeah. They just drive off. But instead, there's there's more, and there's there's uh, it steps outside of that continuous thread, and it sort of just confuses me more. Yeah. Than I already was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Such a hard movie to pinpoint. My highest praise I have for this film is this is the most mature and excellent use of farts in a movie I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Because, like, it's actually used to further the narrative. Like, there's a reason why there's farting right. in this movie. Farts and are a thematic a, element. It is. <laughs> it is a thematic element. Farting is used as a symbol for hiding and kind of, you know, keeping yourself instead of yes. being open. <laughs> yes, to stir, to uh, to remind the audience, there's a moment where Manny is like, yeah. I feel like there's something between us. And then he realizes later, he tells Hank, you have been hiding your farts from me. And it's like sort of like a funny little thing, but also like symbolically, it's like you're ashamed of yourself and you're not right. willing to be, you're not willing to bear your entire self to me as a friend. Like, why aren't you doing yes. this with me? Cause I trust you yeah. with everything, but you don't do the same for me. Yeah. So still weird, still unconventional, but it works. Let me throw this out there for you. Okay. Um, do you feel that if there had been a more, kind of a nihilistic arc that in the middle of the film starts turning more into a hopeful arc where at first all that Hank knows of the world is nihilism and Manny picks up on that. But then later as they discover more about each other and enjoy their friendship, they realize, no, there's more to life than just it's each other. Like we have each other and that's what matters Uh, for a movie. That's very dialogue heavy like this. There are a lot of great physical humor moments. There's some really interesting action. I really loved the opening scene where we set up this story through this these pieces of trash floating yes. from Hank's island. He's marooned on. And it's like, please help me. I'm so bored. I'm alone. You know? Yeah. And they get more elaborate, more big. And there's so much that's being told to us and communicated to us through these pieces of junk yeah, before that we he's even been writing get to meet on. our character. And so by the time we do meet our character and he's going to hang himself... We know exactly why without any reason to have it be justified. It's like, yeah. I know this guy. Like, he, his ship crashed. He's marooned on an island. He's alone and bored. Clearly, he's had a lot of free time. He's sick of it. You know? All right. this you pick up without a single word being spoken. I thought it was an, an excellent touch that 
Um, the very first thing you see in Swiss Army Man is the ocean, and then you see a small juice box that says I'm lost written on it. And <laughs> the very end of the movie includes the same symbolism. Um, within hmm. the ambulance, in the back of the ambulance, he has a safety, like a, uh, a safety blanket on or whatever. Uh, they yeah. threw it over him, and he's drinking from a little juice box, the exact same exact same kind, oh. which is funny because I thought, like, it was an ongoing thing of, like, well, he's still lost. Like, hmm. even after all of this, he's still lost, um, yeah. which would have been an ongoing, continuous plot thread. But once again, that was not the end of the story. So, And why do you think it was just so difficult for them to keep this movie thematically consistent why do you think that that just wasn't the case with the ending it could be anything it could have to do with the actors it could have to do with um just like as they were creating the movie they realized like we love hank we love manny like these two <laughs> guys deserve a better end um and hank doesn't get a very great end uh but manny yeah. is still alive uh which is great it just for me it shows a lack of I don't want to say lack of confidence. This whole movie is confident. Yeah. Um, well, it's very confident. Yeah, but there's... Okay, here's what it is. This whole movie is very creative, but the ending was not. That's what I'll say. Mm. The ending was not creative. Interesting. Um, I think for, from a storytelling perspective, it's so hard because Hanny and Mank... <laughs> <laughs> that was great. <laughs> keep it, keep it. Hank and Manny, between the two of them and with us... It's kind of like their own secret world. It's it's our special time with them, and we get to see their intimate moments when they fart, or when Manny farts, you know? And, or when they and, make and, trash costumes. Exactly. And it's like a special little world. It feels very much like a world you'd make with your friends in the backyard in a treehouse or whatever. It's something that's just between the two of you. The, the problem inevitably rises towards the conclusion because the whole point is going back into civilization. And I think an excellent argument between the two of them, it happens right after the second act when, uh, when there's a bear that attacks them and yeah. Hank almost gets dragged away. And then Manny literally stands up for himself. <laughs> yeah. So cool. You know, the inevitability is this magical time they have together, hallucination or not reality or not. It has to come to an end to some degree. Because you sense that the closer they get, the magic, something's going to end. Yeah. And it seems okay that it will end. Because thematically, even though we don't want it to, even though the acting, by the way, in this is phenomenal, mm -hmm. by especially Paul Dano and Daniel Radcliffe, it has to end. And that's the message this movie is sending. Things end, you know, and that's life. Yeah. And Manny ends up at the end kind of taking on this kind of a resurrection. Like new life in the midst of death and it wasn't really made clear throughout the entire story that that was his purpose his purpose was more of a blank slate the innocent child that learns about all sorts of very adult things and also things that just don't want to be discussed or acknowledged that just want to be kind of repressed or kept hidden right. it's kind of weird like was he just repressing his death was he keeping his death hidden and now he's embracing <laughs> being dead? But Hank's the one that needs to learn to not repress things and Manny's the one that lets things out. Yeah. It's just it was weird to me. Um yeah. there was some trivia when I was researching this that when this film premiered, I believe it's Sundance, uh, because of the farting and I think just because of this movie, so many people walked out of the theater. And honestly that 
that depresses me. Yeah. Because I think this movie, we need more movies in the same creative vein as this. Mm. Because the one word I would use to describe the creative direction of this is unrestrained. Yes. Like, some movies will take uh, a few risks. Like, Endgame, the Avengers movie, takes a few risks with some of their characters. This movie, this whole movie's a risk. Everything about it is like, but we're not going to make a lot of money. This is weird. Yeah, and I think Daniel Radcliffe, I haven't seen any of his stuff aside from Harry Potter and then this, but I think this is one of his best performances yeah. he's ever given. Not that Just, his character is like Oscar worthy or anything, but he does no. a great job of portraying the character that he was given. I think James off air, we've talked casually about Oscar bait movies yeah. and You'll hear a lot of cynics about the Oscars talk about this, but there's a type of Oscar movie that usually always gets the award. It either references other movies or just Hollywood. It's a love letter to Hollywood. Or it's a biopic where it's about a real person and their life. And all the Oscar roles are very serious, very realistic, very human. Right. And very emotional. This is the exact opposite of an Oscar bait movie, in my opinion. It's yeah. the exact opposite. But it requires so much skill from the people that star in this. There's so many awkward moments in this, or movements that it makes it hard to look at the screen sometimes. Uh, and especially with Manny playing a dead corpse, that's hard. And I heard like Daniel Radcliffe voluntarily, because they had like a light, a realistic mannequin of him, yeah, a dummy that they were just going to use. But he insisted he was in most of the shots. Even when the just, raccoon put its hand in his mouth. Some cases like that, it's a mannequin. I mean, obviously, they can't use him for everything. Yeah. Scenes where he's falling down a hill, for example, that was, I guarantee that was a stunt double. Yeah. But, I mean, most of the shots, when he's just there, it's it's him. It's <laughs> Daniel Radcliffe being a corpse. <laughs> <laughs> I love that this movie, that these creators aren't afraid to take risks. It's very clear to me there's not an agenda that's materialistic in this movie. At least the sense of, like, we're out to get money. Or let's tone it down so it's safe for the kiddies. Right. Um, kind of going on a little tangent. R-rated movies, which this movie is rated R. So if you're under 17, I hope you saw with a parent and their permission. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel some R-rated movies are very unrestrained in just the amounts of, like, heavy content they have. The swearing, the violence, and... When all that stuff is in your movie, just for the sake of, oh, it's an R rating, I think it really kind of removes the focus from your story. But this movie, I think, is an R-rated film that is an excellent example of... It's rated R because the stuff that's in there contributes ultimately to the theme and the story that the creators are trying to tell. Mm. And I just, I don't know. There are some movies... I love John Wick. I love his movie trilogy because I just love... I'm a sucker for action. And gung-fu and just stunt work, like, it's amazing. But there are some moments, like in the third movie, where I, an action junkie, I was like, this is a lot of violence. Why? There doesn't need to be violence. Like, I was getting a headache. Me! I love violent stuff. Yeah. Anyway. I was shocked after walking out of the theater with you, and you were like, that was a lot. Some of that was not necessary. 
And I was like, oh, yeah. Who am I talking to right now? <laughs> like, I could hear myself saying that, but not Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> I would say 60% of that movie did not need to be in there. But anyway. So you don't think that this movie tries too hard to uh, be Oscar worthy in any way? You don't think that, like. I think this is the opposite of Oscar worthy. I don't know. I This is going on my gut. I just feel that a lot of the conversations the characters have in this movie are conversations the creators wanted to have with the audience through this film. Hmm. Just questions about the nature of hiding things or the nature of life. Why do we live? If life is so vain and just helpless, why go through it? And I think those are good questions to ask, and I think they do a good job of incurring that dialogue. Sometimes a little on the nose, but... I mean, the way they made their story, it's really kind of warranted. You have a corpse that knows nothing and needs to yeah. learn what life's like. And he asks some questions where I'm like, dang, you know? It's a lot like a childlike simplicity. Very mm -hmm. simple questions. Like, he's like, okay, what is life? <laughs> and then Hank's like, oh, man, okay. You know, <laughs> you know. And then you also see it in the small moments, like when... Uh, Hank is trying to walk Manny through asking Sarah out, you know, on the bus. Yeah. And then Manny's like, gets all frustrated and scared. And he's like, uh, what would you do? And then he's like, honestly, I'm just not good at this stuff. Like, I probably wouldn't. <laughs> and because of the way he explains the world to Manny, we get a good idea of who Hank is, you know? Yes. Um, it's a great way of building up your characters through their conversations with each other. Yeah. And I think their relationship is excellently done in terms yeah. of setting up for some great revealing dialogue between them, which is And I awesome. think there are television shows and movies that have blank slates for the sake of world building. Yeah. And kind of a vessel for the audience. Yes. Some of them are done well. Most of them I don't enjoy um, where mm. it's just like, Oh, yeah. What's the castle of Rundari? Well, son, let me tell you, that's where the <laughs> demon lord resides. And that's where we need to get because the plot of the movie tells us to. But like yeah, you might as well just blare an alarm like plot, 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 plot. just have a banner <laughs> running underneath the, the screen. Just right. this red banner that says the following 15 minutes will be plot related exposition. <laughs> but this movie is like, ah, blank slate. This gives us an opportunity to ask all of those weird questions that we're too scared to ask normal people. And I think in many ways, Manny isn't really a blank slate. He's a lot more direct than many of us are. True. Like, he'll just ask blatant things. Like, you think about your mom? <laughs> right, right. The reason we are, we are straying from spe specifics is because a lot of the conversations are pretty explicit. <laughs> Yes, and for those of you who have watched this movie, which I hope all of you, we, we are deliberately avoiding Actually, talking about the more mature elements. Should you really hope that all of them have seen this movie? I don't know if this movie is for everyone, I don't Daniel. Know. No, probably not. <laughs> I, wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend this movie to my grandfather. That's, I think, the problem, is this movie is really just for a very, very, very narrow... There's a very narrow group of people that I think would really enjoy this. Um, yeah, probably younger people and for people that are just casual goers or are older people or have certain value systems and don't like being challenged on those it I think it would be very hard 
for them to enjoy this movie. Yeah. I don't enjoy this movie a hundred percent. Like yeah, me I remember I watched this yesterday, last night, just to refresh my mind, and I was like, Yep, there are scenes where I'm like, Ah, yep, wish I could skip that part. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yep. I'm just just being honest. Um th- but this movie is honest and for better or for worse, it's you gotta like all of me or none of me. You can't really compromise. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, movie. All right. I respect you. I love your creative lack of restraint. And I also hesitate because of your creative lack of restraint. But think about other movies that you would say have a lack of restraint. Like, let's let's look at, like, I don't know, Deadpool, Deadpool 2, uh, Tarantino films. Would you say that those fall into the same category? Or would you would you even classify those things as needlessly, you know, just excessive? I think Deadpool definitely has a lot of excessive violence that doesn't need to be in there. Um, I'll be honest, I'm very biased towards Deadpool. I'm not really a fan of him. And I think that has more to do with his fans than the character. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> and I do enjoy, like, self-aware heroes that really don't take anything seriously, but it's very clear that Deadpool is such a hard character to write because in Deadpool 2... They try to humanize him, and they, they, like, give him a generic, you know, his love interest. Perhaps you can help me make sense of this, but for some reason, whenever we're talking about Swiss Army Man and possibly related things, the first thing that comes to mind for me is Hunt for the Wilder People. Yeah. Like, I think Hunt for the Wilder People is, albeit less dynamic in its message and conversations, yeah. but I think Hunt for the Wilder People is very similar in the sense that there's a very unique creative style, there are two very different characters, and I do think the relationship they have is a lot more... It's a film that can reach wider audiences, but still doesn't... You don't feel it compromised its message so that it could be that way. Yeah. If you guys haven't listened to our episode on Hunt for the Wilder People, we encourage you not only to listen to it, but also watch the movie, because it's a really good movie. It is a great movie. Uh, it's a it's great... another one that flies under the radar. Yes, it's it's very underrated. I think this movie, Swiss Army Man, is a very good one-time watch. I would not recommend... I mean, I don't know who I'm talking to. Uh, I, I personally <laughs> wouldn't want to see it multiple times. Obviously, I'm a hypocrite, because I've seen this multiple times. But <laughs> I just... For me, this movie doesn't get better mm. um, as I've seen it, you know? Does it get worse? Kind of plateaus for me. Okay. I'm just kind of like, I'd rather watch something else. Uh there are things I love about this movie that we've already discussed, and those things I still like. You know, the opening sequence, the music where it's all a cappella. I love that. Oh yeah, the I score's love, great. Oh my gosh, score is amazing, and just as individualistic as the movie is, um, the acting. You know, all that stuff that doesn't change is still good, but I don't like this movie's an experience. It's an hour and a half of dialogue and moments about things that are very uh, not so easy to talk about and I think I I think that's the whole point of this movie but yeah. <laughs> to add to its point I don't know if I would do that and I think that's the greatest disadvantage to this movie's message hmm. is it's all about the things we don't want to bring out into the open whether it's farts or mature conversations about more adult topics it's harsh it's harsh to listen to. It's harsh to hear. Yeah. I think that works for it just as much as it works against it. Ooh, that's a very good point. Yes. This may help 
some of you and Daniel, I think this may help you understand how I feel about this movie. Okay. I wouldn't make this movie. Yeah. I would not make this movie. There are other movies that we have talked about that I would definitely want to make uh, because yeah. as storytellers, I think that it's important that we create things that we would want to watch. Um, but there's this weird thing with Swiss Army Man where it's like, yeah, that was interesting. I don't regret watching it, but it's yeah. not a movie I would make. So it's sort of, falls in between the categories of like I enjoyed this movie but I still wouldn't wouldn't make it like it's it's an right. anomaly to me so why wouldn't you want to make this movie then is it just because of how direct it is with it's what it's saying or just the material it has to talk about yeah I think so I think I um I think I would be more subtle in in the way I would talk about those things I think it's great that a movie like this exists and I think it's great that um Perhaps conversations come from this. Perhaps people are inspired to be more bold in what they say and speaking their mind uh, in the appropriate situations, farting in public, etc. But I think I think there are more tasteful ways to approach that. Um, and I just I just am that kind of I'm that kind of individual that wants to make something more tasteful and something more approachable. Like we just we just talked about how like inaccessible this movie is to so many demographics. I want my stuff to be accessible to every, all kinds of people. I think it's a good point that you're getting at too, where as storytellers, we need to know the line between uncompromising and compromising. Knowing when to say what you want to say in the way that you want to say it, while also taking into account the sensitivities of others. I yeah. think this movie is very much, if this movie was a person, this would be a person that's very outspoken a person that's very anti-systemic, very anti a lot of things about society and community and maybe the, I don't know. What am I trying I to say? I wouldn't want to have lunch with this person. I can think no. of one person, and you know this person too. I can think of one person um, that is just like this. He was an individual that, that talked like that. And it's like, I'm really proud of you for not being ashamed of talking about these things and normalizing this stuff. But also it's a bit overwhelming because we did not grow up in a world where those things were regularly talked about and yeah. in such in such high frequency and in public almost contrary to what this movie is saying there are reasons why we don't always talk about certain things yeah um, deliberately in public i think some of the things mentioned in this movie in swiss army man should be talked about i think there are things that need to be addressed there are things, and you can, I, I don't need to spell it out for you guys. You guys can probably think of examples of things that should be talked about more that aren't talked about as much. Yeah. And we should perhaps start to talk more about those things, but do we need to be so in your face about it? Do we need to be so overt? Do we need to be so public about everything? Because right. I think in movies and even just people like that, in movies where it's so uncompromising in its message... The plus is your message is out there. The minus is it's not going to reach that many people. It's not going to be as effective. What movies like Kung Fu Panda, which we talked about in our last episode, mm -hmm. the reason those movies are so effective is because it meets you on a universal level. The human condition, talking a bit, offering a commentary on that, and then from there developing a theme resonate with this, or at least, hey, this is a thing. This is a, most people encounter this or whatever. I don't know. But yeah, I totally agree. I think if you have a message to say that is bold, that is contrary to what most people would think, that doesn't mean you don't need to say it. 
but there are more constructive ways other than just blatantly dropping it in a room. I think there are more subtle ways, and I think there are more artistically creative ways of conveying that message. Yeah. And if you take the time to package that message in a way that is creative, I think that that message's impact will be multiplied a hundredfold. I've got got two more things for you, Daniel. Sure. Stepping outside of a a film reviewer's uh, standpoint... I personally okay. disagree with a lot of things that this film has to say. Yeah. Um, it does not align with my set of beliefs, so I think that might partially have to do with how I feel about this movie. And I just wanted the audience to know that, and I right. wanted you to know that, Daniel. I'm pretty sure you already know me well enough to know that. So that might be that might also be influencing a lot of things that I say. Um, but sure. the second thing is, uh, going back to what we were talking about as creators, I want to make a film that I want to see. And I truly believe that Daniel and Daniel, the two writers and directors of this movie, created something that they wanted to see because, oh my gosh, they did not hold back. They did not pull punches in any way. There was no large corporation influencing their decisions, which is such a breath of fresh air from other big franchise films that we've been reviewing. Um, So I'm thankful for that. And it gives me hope. It gives me hope, honestly, um, that there are these people that are making films that they want to make and they're still getting exposed. Uh, Like they're still out there. Mm. They're in theaters and now they're on Netflix. That's a great thing. That's That's a good thing for me to hear. Personally, ethically, I don't agree with a lot that this movie talks about, but I take inspiration not from what it says, but how it says it. Yeah. Um, Creatively, Mm. this movie has a lot people can learn from about as a creator finding your voice because this movie has a very distinct one and if you're interested of knowing if film if film is a city and the biggest buildings are disney marvel star wars you know all of those things i think this movie is something you would have to find out deep in the back streets this is a hole in the wall barbecue diner somewhere but like any hole in the wall it is authentic yeah <laughs> wrapping up this conversation Creators, you don't have to agree with a movie to take inspiration from it. And I would urge you guys, with movies as bold as this one, how can you use your voice to find your own creative style and communicate your message in a way that is uncompromising enough where it's authentic, but compromising enough where it can be universally felt by an audience and received by people. And if you want to share that with us, feel free to hit us up. We would love to hear your answers to that. Uh, Not necessarily answers that we would share um, on air, but we would love to hear it. Um, Mm -hmm. You can also submit your itch-to-pitch ideas uh, to us, which we have not received many of over the past few weeks, Mm -hmm. and also your Q&As. We want to hear from you guys. And whether it's answering Daniel's question or submitting a film idea or just a general question for us, we want to make this as collaborative as possible. So uh, hit us up on Instagram and Facebook. Um, you can find us in the description wherever you're listening to this. Uh, you can also shoot us an email at gmail.com under casuallycriticalpodcast at gmail.com. And with that being said, I'm Daniel, and this is James, and you've been listening to our podcast, Casually Critical. Go out there and be artsy-fartsy. Artsy-fartsy.